Welcome to Sell the Transformation. I'm Rachel. And I'm May. And we are here to shed light on the coaching industrial complex and the manipulative, fear-inducing ways they ask consumers to purchase a transformation. We'll be exposing the harmful business practices that come with bro marketing and boss babe culture while empowering online business owners to engage in ethical practices while doing sales. No more bullshit, only facts, as we expose the people trying to sell you the transformation. Okay. Hey Meg, what's up? Hey Rachel. Oh my god, we're acting this again. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're acting like we are just saying hello, but we've actually been talking for like twenty minutes. So we're this is we're we're huge frauds, is what we're saying. Just like the people we're about to talk about. That's right. So (laughs) proof is in the pudding. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about pudding. Um, Yeah. I'm just Here drinking the chakra balancing tea. <laughs> so well, that's I'm exactly just, I'm, what you need today for this conversation. <laughs> I'm vibing. I need my chakras balanced before I start talking about sexism. You know, I otherwise, otherwise I go on a killing spree and sacrifice pro marketers to the gods. Uh, um, it's only, it's only right. And so it is, but this week, this week, we're going to talk about bro marketing tactics that we find absolutely cringeworthy, um, sleazy, unethical, um, where we've seen them, what we've looked, what, like what they've looked like to us, maybe some experiences that we've had with them as well. Um, and then hopefully impart to you a different way of showing up so that you can know that there is, you know, an other side of the pole, right. It's and and there's a spectrum of showing up in between, right. It's not one, one or the other. Um, but I think you started off, you, you hit on one right when we opened up about sexism and marketing and I'm, I yeah. lead us off here, Rachel, tell us, yeah, um, for sure. why this is so cringeworthy. I mean, obviously we know, but give us for your sure. experience. Yeah. So, um, there's this weird thing that bro marketers do. It's almost like, okay, so you know how, when you're flirting with a guy who's kind of a douchebag and he does this thing called negging where he just insults you, but as a way of flirting. So that kind of happens in bro marketing in a way. Like I saw some dude, I think his name was like Rob Moore or something. I don't feel bad about calling him out. He has tons of followers. Um, but he like made, he made this whole post that was like, oh, um, the, why do women want equality in business? It's always women for me that show up late to calls or call out or whatever. And just saying all this stuff as a way to instigate women to join his clubhouse, his clubhouse meeting where he's going to pitch to them. So Ooh. it's just like, it's, it's like using almost, and I I've seen it before in other ways too. I've seen like people utilizing the women in business movement as a way to stir people up and then kind of go into the pitch. I had some guy DM me pitching me and he kept kind of egging me on. He was like, I know you're probably going to make fun of this because you do that all the time. So feel free to insult me. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like you are clearly just trying to take advantage of what I do as a woman in business who calls out sexist marketing practices and you're trying to twist it around so you can make it about you and you're selling, you know, and just taking advantage of a movement. So you can either rile women up or you can make them feel like shit and then take their money. So that's why I think real marketing tactics are inherently sexist. Um, just because it relies a lot on, on either belittling women or making them angry. Um, And the sheer narcissism that exists in somebody, you know, having the gall to be like, well, you can share this if 
what? Or like, you know, like you can, you can screenshot this and tell everybody. It's like, what? Dude. Yeah, that's why I started blocking out names in my um in my uh, call out posts about my DMs for that reason because I don't want to give them any publicity. Not that any of my followers would buy their stuff, but like it's <laughs> I just think it's so it's it's just so weird and it makes me so uncomfortable that like people are sorry my my husband and my roommate are watching Batman um oh, or Justice awesome. League or whatever. Um, I mean, listen, we're we're a real life human podcast over here life is happening all around us so like no is, perfectionism here yeah no this is we're, we're chilling man we're chilling yeah. um yeah I think a man just dropped into my dms right now um let's see what he has oh, to say live in real action, time it's Donald's you know <laughs> oh, I got a Randy uh, today in my email oh it's one of those namaste fellow energy work it's, shut up oh, <laughs> shut gosh. up I got a guy today named Randy. Randy came into my email to tell me that there was a typo on my website. One typo <laughs> on my website. Randy took the time to go to my website, look around and write that there was a typo. Are you um, kidding me? I would find you, um, I would find you the email, but I think I rage deleted it. Oh no, here it is. It said, subject error on your website message it looks like you've misspelled the word notes on your website i thought you would like to know smiley face silly mistakes can ruin your site's credibility i've used a tool called spell scan in the past to help keep mistakes off my website randy also Are you kidding me note that randy's email address is r shields at aol.com r shields oh is so that then, oh is he promoting a product I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I made a little rant about this in my Instagram stories and I've got a wonderful community of folks who then rose to the occasion and said, Hey, I Googled this for you. <laughs> oh like, my God. Guys. And it turns out that it is a scam. Like there is a list of, there's a website dedicated to spellscan.com and all of the spam bots that go around filling out forms on people's websites. Oh my God. So I can't decide what's worse. So either I, it's <laughs> either it's, so it's one of two things. So either it's someone who spends all day, every day, looking at random people's websites, reading the copy meticulously, because we know that coaching sites have a lot of copy. They're reading the copy <laughs> meticulously to look for the smallest spelling error to pitch their program. Or it's a man trying to be, trying to make himself feel like he's better than you by saying, oh, you misspelled this one word. Like it's one of those two things. It's either, a, yeah. it's either a man's ego or it's a very, very sad marketing tactic. It's a, and I think like in this case, it's, um, it's an automated marketing tactic that's been found out and gone awry because it's just still on automation. Like it's obviously oh been happening God. for years. And so then you think like if we go up the chain of command even further, what bro marketer <laughs> or what, what um, person in, in whatever place in the globe thinks that, that this is okay. Um, but I digress because these things happen all of the time. They are not isolated incidents, right? No, and the sexism, no, no. the sexism in marketing, we can, you could find, you know, examples on top of examples on top of examples. Um, we don't have to look very far for it. Um, speaking of email, I'll go ahead and share one of my pet peeves. I have, I think it is absolutely unethical 
and cringeworthy to add people to your email lists without consent. Oh my God. Yes. And I like, this is happening folks and it's happening all the time. And I wonder how many people see it happen and just like, are like, Oh, okay, whatever. Um, but what happens when we don't interrupt this? So I've had it happen for like, I had somebody from grade school put me on their real estate email list without my permission a couple of weeks ago fuck? and start sending me video emails about real estate in Philadelphia. I don't even live in Philadelphia. <laughs> then here's a really good one, a really good example. I had a former coach who I had done um, a call into, like I had called her in, in August about where she stood as far as Black Lives Matter, LGBTQI stuff, you know, like just being a vocal poignant force for like social and racial justice issues or like basically just not being silent. Like, where do you stand? You don't have to put it on your, your social media, but can you tell me somebody who invests yeah. in your business? Yeah. Um, and, they, and she ghosted me. She never responded. Oh um, yeah, you told me that. Never responded. And then this week she added me, she added my email to a new list, a new CRM system and blasted me out an automated email as though we were still in a coaching relationship. Oh my God. That and is like, yeah. Next level growth. Right. Yeah. That's insane. Next that happened to, that happened to me with a bro marketer actually, um, a while ago, I basically, I'll go into this later with my other pet peeve, but I called him out for being racist. Right. And we yeah. went on a big back and forth thing. Um, and this is related to something I'll talk about later. We went on a big back and forth and I unsubscribed. He resubscribed me three times. Um, oh. and this, and this is like one of those bro marketers that's like, I have a hundred million dollars. And if you pay me $10,000, you'll get a hundred million dollars to look at my motorcycle. Like it was, it was like one of those dudes. And I was like, I really do not care what you have to say. Cause I watched his webinar because that was back in the day when I was watching everybody's webinar <laughs> and before, before I fully embraced my hatred of bro marketers. And like, I pointed out something, um, and he just like, you know, came, we argued and he kept subscribing me to his email list. And I was like, I do not care what you have to say, sir. So I just yeah. kept having to, I, I'll call him out too. His name is Ben Oberg. I will call him the fuck out. And I'm going <laughs> to call him out then later in this podcast. But literally it's just like, look at my motorcycle. You can be rich too. Look at my motorcycle or whatever he has. You know, I don't know why bro marketers are so obsessed with their vehicles. Like, I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, I do know, I think it's, um, you know, it's, the small penis syndrome it's it's small penis. <laughs> like I just keep thinking I keep thinking of like that viral uh Ty Lopez video that became a meme where it's like here in my garage look at my Lamborghini <laughs> knowledge like that one yeah. um I, I I just think about that every time like like you know what I love more than Lamborghinis knowledge and that's what well, I think yeah and I think also too like with these bro marketing tactics and just like this ego centric narcissistic focused marketing, like quote unquote lifestyle coaches use a lot. Um, all of that, all of that is for show. Like mm -hmm. none of it actually articulates anything to the client. It's just a show. Um, right. And it's, it's very interesting that like, here's the other thing too. It's like anybody can be employing bro marketing tactics. So this mm -hmm. goes beyond the gender binary, you know, mm -hmm. or the gender spectrum, because there are a lot of people that believe that you need to participate in these types of tactics to make it work in the system. And yes, right. it is a, a, like a capitalistic system. It is a very um, 
white supremacist system. It's a, an oppressive system, but that yeah. doesn't mean that there isn't room for people to show up and be ethical, right? So like, right. you know, it's a, it's a clear thing. Like, just don't be sexist in your copy. Don't be sexist in your formulation of your programs. Um, when it comes to like ethics in how we manage our lists or the intention with that, I mean, it could be something that like, I think, especially if you have a lot of privilege can be casually swept to the side. Yes. You know, it's just like, go unsubscribe if they don't want to be here. Yeah, um, exactly. But like, what kind of experience are you leaving those people with? Because I know when I go to a bad restaurant, I tell everybody, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it sucks. If I go oh to a good God. restaurant, I'll be like, okay, you know, it was good. If I go to an excellent restaurant, I'll tell other people. But like, yeah. I'm not calling everybody up about the awesome takeout I had this weekend. Right. I'll tell you what I am doing, going on a podcast and telling them, you know, how shitty my former coach is. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and I think like part of this too is that like white folks especially just don't know how to show up and hold both. And, yeah. and you know, it seems it's the easy road, right? Like I, I was talking um, to somebody the other day in the DMs and I was like, I just, you know, I, it baffles me why they choose this. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, it's just easy, right? It's just the, if you have the privilege and the power, why would you, why would you surrender it? But we're here to shake it up, Rachel. We're here to shed yes. light. We're yes, here to do the good work. That's our job. That's our job. Um, but yeah, my what other cringeworthy tactics you got. So going off of this Ben Oberg guy, and if he tries to sue me, I have the emails to back it up. I can prove that he did all these things. Um, but anyway, I don't think he's going to. But anyway, I um, watched this guy's webinar um, and he's like a celebrity entrepreneur as well. So I don't think any, I, I, I can call him out. Um, but he had this webinar and like during the webinar, he basically preached what four hour work we preached, which I was very new to at the time. So I didn't even know people did this. He was just like, oh, if you need a VA, just um, get someone from the Philippines to do it for $600 a month. And I was like, excuse me. I'm like, I'm like, for what, like, it's different when someone sets their own rates, right? Like if somebody sets their own rates, rates, then I will pay their own rates. Right. But this man claims to have millions and millions of dollars, but he is outsourcing and paying like basically minimum wage for full-time work to someone from another country to fully take advantage of like not just the the um the exchange rate but just taking advantage of them in a capitalistic way and mm -hmm. charging for like you know full-time work six hundred dollars a month and so I emailed him I was like why can't you pay people in other countries what you would pay someone here and he was like oh well six hundred dollars a month is a lot for the Philippines and I could make their life so much better and I'm like okay why don't you pay the, the same rate that you would pay someone in America like it doesn't make any sense to me um and and he just kept going back and forth with me about it saying and I was like okay dude you're being like kind of like racist right now and he yeah. just like went off on me I'm gonna find that email go ahead here why don't you why don't you I'll, talk and I'll, yeah I'll I'll find this email. but I, I kind of want to comment on that because I think like the point here that you're making too is that you can't and like listen like capitalism is what it is we have to try and function the way that we can inside of it but like anti-racism is a component of anti-capitalism right yes. like those two things have to go hand in hand and what what we find in the coaching industrial complex often or what i have found is that people oftentimes are just out for the bottom line right but this is also an industry that was developed to be a helping service i mean that's where i come come at it from 
So like, it's one thing to be like giving people all of these solutions. And it's like another thing to just be doing it hand over fist to make money. And like, I think what we're going to see more and more of is the exposure of these six figure businesses. And we're mm-hmm. going to understand how many of them are run on the, the, the fumes of credit cards. Yeah. You know, on the cheap and outsourced labor of people being oppressed by imperialistic tactics, right? Because it's just yes. another expression of imperialism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at whose hands? Like, what's the harm being done? Like, not only to the person overseas that's doing that work, but to the client that's on the, the end result or like the community. Right. Because many of these entrepreneurs, too, actually should have W-2 employees, mm-hmm. but they run 1099 contractors into the ground or right. they outsource the work so that they don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, this guy, I basically I sent him an email. I was like, hey, so I was on your webinar that you encouraged this and that's really shitty advice to promote. Don't use your platform to encourage dehumanization of Filipino people because there's many that are far more successful, worldly, and talented than you are, essentially, is what I said. And he said, uh, I highly disagree with your logic. The economy in the Philippines does not sustain high levels of income. The average income is 7K per year. If I can help someone double their income working part-time, then congrats to me. Shame on you for jumping to such conclusions. And then I said, okay, so why not pay someone from the Philippines the same you would pay someone in America? Why are you encouraging people to specifically seek out labor from a third-world country because it's cheaper? If you wanted to genuinely help out a Filipino person with work, you'd pay them the same as one of your employees in the States, not 500 a month. And he said, this is, this is great. I pay based on the value they bring, they bring black, white, Asian, fat, gay, straight, developmentally disabled. They would be paid based on the value they provide. Good day. But that's very Willy Wonka of him. (laughs) Good day, sir. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, and then I said, would their part-time work be worth $500 a month in America? Because that's way under minimum wage and you have a multi-million dollar company, but he didn't answer that. Boom. accountability folks this is what accountability looks like (laughs) yeah it's like and this is what like uh, kudos to you not that you need a cookie Rachel but like for sharing that so boldly and bravely because it's an example to people about what it looks like to like divest in the situation in the scenario that you are currently invested in like how do you by the way I wasn't I wasn't showing that to be like look how good I am it was like look how shitty this guy is Well, and I don't want, yeah, and I'm just saying, you know, for the sake of the audience that I'm not here to like pat you on the back, but like it does, like sometimes it it does serve as a point of modeling, Mm -hmm. you know, excuse me, like how, how does it sound to be in that conversation? What does it look like to challenge someone? Because I think too, when you're talking about like more abstract grow tactics, like sexist marketing or like dehumanization of labor forces, you know, or just dehumanization in general, those are like bigger things that's harder for an individual person to interact. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I think, you know, showing, you know, here, like too, like how you can send an email, how you can call people into accountability, how like really moving through your coaching experience or your, you know, the practitioners you're working with, with a lens of curiosity, you know, like not everything, like nobody's going to put bad testimonials on their website. Like, no, nobody's going to tell you a story about like why you shouldn't hire them, but like, have, have you as the consumer, you know, or, you know, the mentee in a sense done the due diligence on this work, because these people are lying in wait everywhere. 
Yeah. And if we think that we can avoid them by just like, you know, judging a book by its cover, its presentation or its marketing, um, we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. And I think a lot of people, especially in digital marketing, take things for what they're worth at yeah. the face value. Um, and that's where a lot of the harm gets done too, right? Yeah. Is that we, there's like, you know, we kind of have to do away with the no like trust factor. Right. What does that actually mean? Yeah. The like no trust factor. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't think we ever will truly know a coach personally like that. You don't truly like, you know, a lot of people, it's like that thing, you know, a lot of people are like Instagram is only like a percentage of who you actually are. So it's like, it's really, and especially when it's coaches that, you know, have four hour work weeks and don't work with people one-on-one. It's like, how are you supposed to truly like know and trust them if you don't know them at all? Which is again, right, why- Yeah, if they can't even, um, you know, like get or like have a, an informed perspective about meeting you where you are, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's from being disabled to being, you know, financially insecure to being, you know, whatever the case may be, like any other, any of the situations of oppression that could exist, right? Um, If somebody's not examining that and accepting that and also owning their own privileges, that seems, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big red flag. And, you know, I think some of these tactics are more of pink flags. You know, they're like the things you can see before you get into the bad relationship, right? It's like, look for these things at the onset. Um, totally. My last thing is really about, um, is really about pricing. Mm-hmm. And kind of the idea that like we have to hide our pricing. Pro marketers are always mysterious about pricing. It's like you have to come to the webinar to get the pricing. Oh my god! Um, put your email in here to get the pricing. Um, you know, like you have to get on a call with somebody to get the pricing. And I'm just like, I'm just not sure what the big deal is. I don't yeah. know what the big fucking secret is. So that's one part of it. It's like, why are we, why are bro marketers so secretive about the pricing? Like just yeah. tell them people how much it costs. And then on the other side of it, I see people like they will put out their pricing, but their pricing is, um, you know, what the ethical move refers to as charm pricing. So like it's, it ends in a seven, you know, it goes, it's like 1497 for this program or 297. And yeah. that is a very traditional marketing tactic that goes all the way back to like, circulars and newspapers where the last number denoted the value of the offer do you know what I mean like the last number so if that was a lower number then people would feel like they were getting more it's a psych it's a psychological trick to get people to think they're getting more value for less money oh yeah Um, I was I was taught that by my coaches too is to always have it end in a seven or nine Um, which I think it's very common, I think with selling things in general, but it's like, I feel like when you're selling yourself as a coach, it's good to be as transparent as possible and say how much it costs. Like the way I do pricing in a way that's like, that feels good for me is that I say, um, I say publicly, I say, I have plans starting at this. Um, like, I think even doing that rather. So like you kind of find a nice balance with it because, like hiding the pricing altogether, it's just a way to trick people into getting on a call with you. And so you can kind of sell what it is before they know how much it costs. So you can kind of reel them in with what exactly it is. But that has never worked for me, I have to say. Like I've tried that tactic and like people will be like, oh, I'm all in. And they'll be like, oh no, that's too expensive. And that's understandable. Um, they're not gonna yeah. say yes, just because it's a good program. Like sometimes people genuinely do have money concerns. I don't want them to take out a credit card. Like yeah. I- 
you know, like it's, it's, that's a big thing with, with coaches, I think in general is that they're always like, Oh, you know, like make them sign on the call, which, you know, signing on the call is important, but it's, it's more of a, um, you know, don't get off the call until they say yes, kind of thing. Or, you know, like they, I, yeah, I, I, I just had the topic for next week is just talking about the, dis- the, the dreaded discovery call and like our yeah, discovery it's, call. Uh, it's the, Cause that's where they're really selling the transformation is in the discovery call. Yeah. Discovery call. Yeah. I think with pricing in general, it's just like they, a lot of coaches make the case that like, Oh, if they really wanted to do it, they could find a way to afford it. And that's not always the case. Um, that's that I think is a very toxic way of thinking when it comes to, um, pricing and coaching and all of that. Like sometimes they genuinely can't afford it and it's better to not encourage them to take out a credit card and all of that. That's like, that's like MLM territory. Yeah, it's majorly unethical, but it, you know, we're also understanding that those things happen, right? Like I've seen them happen. I know that coaches do that. I know coaches help clients take out loans and all of the above. And it's, it's grossly unethical um, because it's no longer about serving the client and making sure the client's a good fit for the program. It's about making sales and meeting sales revenues. And, you know, they're, I think one of the things we really will focus on as we continue this podcast journey is putting people over profits, right? Um, Rachel Turner uses the word human first. And I think like, that's, that's really, you know, what I, what I try to cultivate in my business. And listen, I'm always decolonizing and unlearning, you know, I'm, I'm very much know that I carry lots of ingrained gross TV <laughs> marketing yeah. practices inside of me. Um, but it's through conversations like this one that we're having here where we show up and say like, no, this isn't okay. What does it look like? How can we like witness it and like call it out when we see it, right? Like have right. have the braveness and the courageousness, courageousness to be like, hey, you're not being cool right now. I mean, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always, well, always this, call it. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say always call it out for sure. For sure. Don't sit on that shit. Yeah. Well, this has been quite the episode this week. Yeah. I mean, I think all, I think every episode is going to get crazier and crazier, honestly, with with, with the level of, of calling out and stuff, which is, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to talk about the things that maybe people are too scared to talk about and all of that. Um, I should probably, let me just look and see. I have plenty of stories, um, but I have an anonymous story that I want to share that maybe we can chat yes. about. So while you're um, pulling that up, I'll talk to um, the audience about this, our listeners. So we are looking for um, coaching confessionals, if you will. And so you could drop into either Rachel's DMs, my DMs, or the Sell the Transformation Instagram DMs and share your confidential coaching confessional. It could be you know, a rather um, unsavory experience you had with a coach in a program, um, in an enrollment. We want all of the dirt. We want to know, because I think that what we're going to find in these coaching confessionals are patterns emerging For um, sure. and really bad behavior that's happening in the coaching space. For what sure. Well, it- yeah, well, I have I have a few stories, but I'm gonna share this one today. I have I, I've had so many people come into my DMs from this, and um, yeah, should I say should I say the coach's name or no? Um, let's let's um, we'll decide if we want to do it 
do it later if we look at them ahead of time. Yeah, if yeah. you didn't look at this one ahead of time, we'll just keep it fully anonymous. Okay, cool. Let's keep it anonymous. Well, this person sent this to me and I've actually had an encounter with this coach as well. Um, but they messaged me saying, I too have a tragic coach story. It was when I first started and obviously didn't know any better. I cried for months over what happened. It was a bad time all around. And I asked them uh, what their story was. And they said, uh, have you heard of coach's name? Uh, when I first started, she got on a call with me and basically, you know, manipulated me into putting a 2k deposit on the phone with her. After the call, I had a breakdown because there was no way I could afford it. She refused to give back the deposit and basically said sucks, but it's not refundable. I never worked with her. I didn't even have my full-time job at the time. Of course, I just blamed myself like, well, I was just stupid enough to go along with it. I wasn't strong enough to say no, but it really messed up my ability to do sales when I first started because I never wanted to do what someone to, I never wanted to do to someone what she did to me. Um, but yeah, Very that was, real. that was an actual trauma that a coach caused to someone that was going to work with her, you know, financial trauma is a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and I have encountered this coach before too. Um, back when I was shopping around for coaches, I scheduled a call with her and said that, you know, I put like, this is my budget and she canceled my discovery call. Cause it wasn't enough money for her. Yeah. Um, that's a, that is just, a practice. I think by a certain group of people that are in the same mastermind, like they will cancel your calls if you, if they denote that you are not financially ready so that they can get another, they can open up that spot and put another person from the ads into your spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's messed up for one thing. Like, you know, yeah. there, if you don't have other, like it's half an hour of your time. Like if you don't, if they don't take the highest ticket option, they might take something else. Um, like I said, I think I said my budget was like $500 or something like that, like 500 a month. And she fucking canceled my call. I was like, and she was so condescending to me afterwards. She was like, Oh, um, when you're ready to hit 10 K, just let me know. And I was like, I am never going to work with this person. But this, this anonymous thing I got was, uh, from the same coach. And I'm really glad I didn't sign with this coach because, you know, not if you, took in a deposit and then like you know a day later someone was like oh I'm not ready for this and and then you know you never work with this person and you don't refund them how could you do that like how if you're not even working with someone like why wouldn't you just refund them it doesn't make any sense I know and you know what it's like it's um it's uh, it's so gross. And this is exactly why the, the coaching industry, at least in the way that they transact with people needs to be regulated, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just take $2,000 from somebody because they changed their mind. And I mean, it's also too that from a consumer's perspective, we need to look at contracts as like things that could not only, you know, protect the business owner, but harm the consumer as well. Right. And right. I think a lot of times people, regular everyday people that need help, you know, aren't necessarily always versed for the business world, don't know how to read complicated contracts. And I know a lot of the, you know, the specific program that I worked for, which was a 10K program, their contract was so detailed and convoluted and pages and pages long. Anybody that's in a heightened state of awareness and like is being pressured into making a decision mm -hmm. is not going to like in my opinion, is not going to have the wherewithal in that moment to look over that contract through and through. And more often than not, they will have you make the payment before you sign the contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and also just the fact of taking 2K as a deposit, like right up front, that yeah. that screams red flag to me to begin with. Like when I Absolutely. take deposits from people, you know, I do, I do my contracts monthly. And 
you know, I'll take like half or like even like a quarter of like what my first month is as a deposit. Like I try to take small deposits because like it, when you're, when you're a coach, the whole thing is you're teaching them how to make money. So like, why would you have them go in debt and take that gamble when you could just take a smaller deposit and then help them build up that way? So that way they can, they can keep making payments a month. I feel like that's more logical than just be like, here, give me, you know, $2,000 right now. Um, right. And it's not even more that, logical. Then that's a gamble. Ethical. You know, it's more ethical. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't think these more people ethical. work, the people don't work with ethics. Right. Because it's, yeah. it's logical to them to get the money into their bank account as quickly as possible so that they can show up to their mastermind next week and say that they hit their goals, you know, and like, that's the well, thing like, is like, that's what the, a lot of these coaches are doing. They, they are in their own masterminds and they're competing amongst themselves. Yeah. I think also what, what coaches need to realize is that when you make a sale, and you have the contract signed, even if you don't take it all up front, you still have that money guaranteed and you can still have a 10K month. You know, like my, yeah. I signed a client in January and she's on a year long contract with me paying, you know, like a, a pretty small amount per month. And I made that come that, uh, that contract custom to her to fit her own needs and everything. Yeah, of course. Um, so we we're on a year long contract and it's like altogether, that would be like $5,000, you know, but it just because I have, you know, 225 right now as a, as a deposit, I still count it as a 10 K month because that's how much it was total, even though it's spread out over a year. So yeah. like, you know, I still counted that as part of my 10 K month because it's in sales, you know, it's not about how much money you have in the bank right now. Um, and I think people need to celebrate more like how much sales month, instead of being like, how much, what's a gross amount of money I can have that I got unethically from people that can't afford it. But right. I or, don't know, you know what even masterminds are, but I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that there, there are high-end masterminds with people, I think I had shared one of the guys screenshots with you. I don't mind calling this guy out. His name is Russ Brasino. He's one of those like very high level, heavy hitter, high ticket, won't work with anybody that doesn't sell a program under $3,000. Like um, those types of coaches that are in planes and throwing dollar bills around and riding their motorcycles. Like they're all about bringing other people in that want to have that same lifestyle. And it's never about the service of the work. It's always about the marketing. It's always about um, making money. And it's always about like the forward um, expression of what yeah. the coaching lifestyle, the freedom and the consulting gives you. They don't talk about what it means to hold a really tight container with somebody who's like not doing so well. They don't talk right. about what it's like when somebody is in an abusive situation at their job and is also trying to make a leap to a new job because mm -hmm. they're uh, most of what we see in the coaching industrial complex is selling you transformation through a gateway to entrepreneurship or transformation through a gateway to spirituality. Yeah. And I think both of them are, um, especially in this day and age in 2021 with what we know now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like wrapping up this, hopefully wrapping up this global pandemic. Um, like that shit's not going to work. People are going to see right through that shit. Um, yeah. And my hope is that you and I can continue to raise our voices really hell and raise a lot of hell around mm -hmm. um, informing consumers and letting people know that there's a different way that there's coaches out there that are doing this work ethically. Um, I'm excited for us to continue to amass our directory of ethical yeah. coaches that we can put together. Um, and I'm looking forward to next week. It'll be another powerful week and we can talk about discovery calls. 
fuck yeah i'm excited for that conversation (laughs) me too i got a good one i was gonna share it today but i'm definitely waiting for next week to share it (laughs) cool 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 well i will see you all next week um and yeah stay stay ethical you stay ethical Thank you everyone for listening to Sell the Transformation. This podcast is created by Rachel Quinn and Meg Collier. If you'd like to support the episode and the pod, please hop over to anchor.fm forward slash sell dash the dash transformation and you can become a monthly supportive member and you can also subscribe. If you know somebody that needs to listen to this podcast, go ahead and forward it to them. The more we know, the better we can make decisions. We'll see you back here on the next episode.